A mass shooting is not news. In the USA, the sun rises, the sun sets, and more Americans are dead from gun violence. A disgruntled employee shot up a Walmart. I would say, tell me something I don't know, but that's just as cliche as a disgruntled employee shot up a Walmart. It's time right now for the David Feldman Show. So get your ears on right and buckle in real tight. After a mass shooting, and that would be about twice a day, the only news is the weapon used, who sold and manufactured it, how many dead, how many injured. Nothing else matters. I don't need to know anybody's name. Talking to the loved ones is not a national catharsis. It's pornography. I'm sorry for each victim of the 600-plus mass shootings in America this year, but my mourner's fatigue set in years ago. So I'm no longer interested in the victims or the shooter. I'm sorry. I'm only interested in preventing tomorrows. Spare me your serious conversations about America's growing crisis of untreated mental illness. Unless you're advocating Medicare for all that includes free visits to mental health experts, you have nothing to offer. I am not immune to tragedy, but when a preschool, a synagogue, or a gay bar is shot up, the only questions left are, who made the weapon, who sold it, and why are they not being prosecuted? I am not interested in who pulled the trigger or why. I already know the answer. A man, early 20s, usually Caucasian and psychologically defective. These shooters are all interchangeable. The note left behind by the Walmart shooter or which pronoun the Colorado Springs assassin identified with, is of no consequence. All that matters is who sold and manufactured their weapons. We already know why someone shot into a parade, a classroom, or a movie theater. It's because gun manufacturers must show growth each quarter by making it easier and more attractive for damaged men to buy assault weapons. So I am not interested in the days leading up to the attack, what his motive was or why he snapped. I am bored by the repetition. Don't tell me the name of the shooter or his victims. I'm not interested. There are only two names that we need to know. They are... Marty Daniel, CEO of Daniel Defense, which manufactures the AR-15 used in the Uvalde school shooting this year that killed 19 children and two teachers. It was the same AR-15 used in the 2017 mass slaughter in Las Vegas that killed 60, wounding 413. Mark P. Smith, president chief executive officer and director of Smith & Wesson, the largest gun manufacturer in America. 
Mark P. Smith is responsible for the AR-15 used in the 2018 mass slaughter at Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, where 17 people died. His company made the very same AR-15 used to shoot up a movie theater in Aurora, Colorado, which killed 12 and injured 70, as well as the AR-15 used in San Bernardino, California, that killed 14 and injured 22. Two names. That's all. Marty Daniel and Mark P. Smith. Call them. Write them. It doesn't have to be this way. In coming weeks, I will provide more names. In the meantime, you have a voice. Use it. It's time right now for the David Feldman Show. So get your ears on right and buckle in real tight. Are we going to do this? Let's do it. It's Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. I'm David Feldman. On Monday, yesterday, the stock market dropped 500 points. That's nearly 1.5% as traders fear mass protests in China could cut into corporate profits. Also, cause for alarm on Wall Street is the Chinese government locking down their entire country after 40,000 new cases of COVID have been reported. Tens of thousands of Chinese have taken to the streets protesting what they consider draconian measures to combat the virus. Universities around the country protested the government's lockdown of Uyghurs in the Muslim region of Xinjiang, where at least 10 people were killed, another 10 injured after a fire ripped through an apartment building where residents were reportedly trapped due to China's zero-COVID policy, where authorities sealed the doors shut to prevent anyone from leaving. There are reports of Chinese citizens around the country locked inside apartment buildings to prevent the spread. Riot police bludgeoned workers at Foxconn, the world's largest manufacturer of iPhones, when assembly line workers protested working conditions as well as living conditions inside their factory dormitories. The workers also complain of broken contractual promises on how much they would get paid. Residents of Houston, Texas this morning are still being told to boil their water and then throw it at a liberal's face. I'm kidding. It's Texas. They have guns. Why would they need boiling water? Millions of Houstonians have been told to boil their water, and school has been canceled after a power outage shut down a water treatment plant. Residents are told to boil their water for two minutes if they plan to drink it, bathe in it, brush their teeth, or do some freelance waterboarding for the CIA. Houston is America's fourth largest city, although if they don't get the water turned back on soon, that could change uh, pretty quickly. The Washington Post reports that many of Houston's low-income residents stopped drinking tap water back in 2017 after Hurricane Harvey created sewage overflows that made the water undrinkable for people who don't like the taste of diarrhea in their lemonade. 
Last year, it was determined that Houston is in violation of the Clean Water Act and was already under a federal consent decree before this week's new boil mandate was issued. 25% of Houston is African-American. In Flint, Michigan, where more than half the population is African-American, lead is still being found in their drinking water. The Environmental Protection Agency on October 31st of this year, that's almost a month ago, said drinking water in Jackson, Mississippi, was finally safe to drink after residents went two months without any. Jackson, Mississippi's population is 83% African-American. The United States government is planning to extradite WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, who has been in a British prison since 2019, awaiting trial here in the United States for espionage. If convicted, Assange faces 175 years in a maximum security prison for exposing, 12 years ago, criminal wrongdoing by our military in Iraq and Afghanistan. Not a single member of our military has been tried for the crimes Assange exposed. His leaks were published in the New York Times, The Guardian, Le Monde, Der Spiegel, and El Pais, who wrote an open letter on Monday calling on the Justice Department here in America to drop their charges against Julian Assange. In their open letter, they wrote, quote, this indictment sets a dangerous precedent and threatens to undermine America's First Amendment and the freedom of the press. The Senate's Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee issued a report on Monday saying the FBI and our Department of Homeland Security have failed to address the rising tide of white nationalist anti-government domestic terrorists. The report says that while the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI have acknowledged domestic terrorism, terrorism is, much, is a much bigger threat than, say, terrorists from al-Qaeda, they still have directed most of their resources towards addressing threats from foreign terrorists. The problem Americans face is homegrown domestic terrorism. That's why the 2020 National Defense Authorization Act specifically mandated that law enforcement must track, must keep track of domestic terrorists and then report to Congress each year. But according to this new report, law enforcement has failed to obey that order. They are not reporting on domestic terrorism. Republicans, of course, are against keeping track of domestic terrorists because all, and I'm not being hyperbolic here, I mean all domestic terrorists share a right-wing anti-government ideology with the Republican Party. There were 110 domestic terrorist attacks or plans for domestic terrorist attacks uncovered in 2020. That's a 244% increase over the previous years. All were carried out by right-wing extremists. Salon reports this week that a recent study suggests that 90% of right-wing terrorists have been radicalized through social media. 
jurors in the trial against right-wing domestic terrorist Stuart Rhodes, the Yale Law School graduate who founded the Oath Keepers, the jurors begin their third day of deliberations on Tuesday. Rhodes, along with four others, has been accused of plotting to block the peaceful transfer of power on January 6, 2021. Although our Justice Department has secured hundreds of convictions stemming from the January 6 insurrection, Rhodes is the first to be charged with seditious conspiracy. During his testimony, Rhodes said he was in Washington that day awaiting President Trump's order to invoke the Insurrection Act, where he expected Trump to deputize the Oath Keepers to help maintain order. Rhodes said he kept a large cache of weapons in a nearby hotel awaiting orders from Donald Trump that never came. After a series of mass shootings in the lead-up to Thanksgiving, President Joseph Biden has once again called for Congress to ban the sale of assault weapons. Biden said, quote, the idea we still allow semi-automatic weapons to be purchased is sick. He's right. The Democrats would need 10 Republicans to support the assault weapons ban if they try to pass one during a lame duck session of Congress, with mostly everyone agreeing the votes just aren't there. Uh, but if you ask the American people, they would tell you a different story. They want the assault weapons ban. Here is Fox News yesterday. Take a look at this. Um, latest Fox News polling shows that 56% of Americans believed that tougher gun laws would reduce the number of U.S. mass shootings. 56, 56 to 39 percent. The American people want these assault weapons off the street. They want an assault weapons ban. That's what the American people want. A majority of Americans want an assault weapons ban because a majority of Americans don't own guns and very few own assault weapons. Out of 350 million Americans, maybe 3 percent at best own an assault weapon. So why are we allowing a handful of mental defectives who fetishize guns to dictate public health policy? Nobody in their right mind wants these guns. Why do we allow this? New reports coming out of Virginia, where a gunman killed six co-workers at a Walmart, say that he bought the nine millimeter handgun only hours before the shooting. There are currently 1.2 guns for every American right now. In 2020, nearly 20,000 Americans were killed by a gun. In that same year, close to 25,000 other Americans used a gun to commit suicide. According to the BBC, since 1968, when Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy were assassinated, since 1968, close to 1.7 million Americans have died from gunshots. Let me repeat that. Since 1968, 1.7 million Americans have been shot to death. The BBC goes on to estimate that more Americans have died from guns than all the American soldiers in all the American wars combined. 
Let that sink in. You got 1.7 million Americans dead from gunshots since 1968. No other country comes close. Think about this. More Americans have died from gunshots in my lifetime than all the American soldiers who died in all the American wars combined. It is more dangerous to stay home from a war in America during the past 50 years than to go off to war. This is insanity. Most Americans want, at the very least, an assault weapons ban. According to investigators working for the House Oversight Committee, American gun manufacturers pocketed more than $1 billion in the past decade selling assault weapons to Americans. And they use a portion of their profits to advertise and advocate and to fund pro-gun groups who perpetuate the lie that owning assault weapons is enshrined into our Bill of Rights. It is not. Sloganeers have convinced hayseeds and rubes who read at a third grade level that all our freedoms flow from the right to bear arms. If you believe that, you are pathetic. On Thanksgiving, a sign outside the Colorado Springs headquarters of Focus on the Family was vandalized to draw attention to the role Focus on the Family played in the shooting at a gay nightclub in Colorado Springs across town where five people died and 17 were wounded. The graffiti over the headquarters of Focus on the Family read, quote, their blood is on your hands, five lives taken. The Southern Poverty Law Center has called Focus on the Family's founder, James Dobson, anti-LGBTQ. They report that Dobson repeats the lie that homosexuality can be prevented and treated through ex-gay therapy. In 2015, Dobson claimed that one of the chief priorities of the gay movement is to legalize pedophilia. To legalize pedophilia. Dobson's writings are what is now being called stochastic terrorism. It's a new term, stochastic terrorism, at least for me. I first read about it in Scientific American in a piece written by Bryn Nelson, author of Flush, where he describes the way in which lone wolves can be activated by pundits or politicians or preachers who dehumanize other individuals or groups. In his Scientific American piece entitled How Stochastic Terrorism Uses Disgust to Incite Violence, it was published earlier this month, Bryn Nelson writes, quote, ideologically driven hate speech increases the likelihood that people will violently and unpredictably attack the targets of vicious claims, unquote. Now, stochastic means random. That's what stochastic means. So stochastic terrorism, how does it work? Well, when somebody like Tucker Carlson vilifies drag queens, or Donald Trump amplifies QAnon supporters who promote the idea that Democrats are pedophiles, those words are put out into the ether 
and randomly fall into the mind of a lone, sick individual who, because guns are so readily available, acts on what are essentially incitements to violence. That's stochastic terrorism. And the master of stochastic terrorism is Donald Trump. If you watch Donald Trump's January 6th speech on the ellipse, he is deploying stochastic terrorism. He's brilliant at parsing his sentences. Donald Trump can incite violence by never specifically saying, go hang Mike Pence. He never says storm the Capitol and kill Nancy Pelosi. What he does do is rile up a group of people who he knew were heavily armed. He knew they were heavily armed. The Secret Service told him these people are carrying weapons. And he said, well, I don't have to worry about them. They're not going to aim them at me. That's what he said on January 6th. He went before his supporters and enraged them. He incited them. He demonized individuals like Pelosi and Pence. He demonized a group, the Democrats. He says, Donald Trump says, just enough to these heavily armed lone wolves who are finding community, finding something bigger than themselves on January 6th by storming the Capitol and committing acts of t domestic terrorism. He says just enough for them to engage in violence. That is stochastic terrorism. When Tucker Carlson demonizes the LGBTQ community, when he spreads the libel that drag queens are trying to sexualize children, that is an act of stochastic terrorism because Tucker Carlson isn't specifically ordering anyone to shoot up a Colorado Springs gay club on drag queen night. So that gives Tucker Carlson plausible deniability. He's not telling anyone to do anything. He's just saying things. Now, does he know his words are reckless? He doesn't care. And yes, it is all protected by freedom of speech to a limit, but it is protected mostly by freedom of speech. But freedom of speech also includes uh, the right of Bryn Nelson to write in Scientific American that these right-wing television and radio personalities and Donald Trump and these preachers like uh, Dobson, they create violent disgust in the minds of dangerous people. And disgust, disgust is a powerful emotion. It causes acts of violence, disgust. When you are disgusted with someone or something, that provokes violence. We are all disgusted by pedophiles. So for Tucker Carlson to accuse drag queens of, quote, sexualizing our children, or for James Dobson from Focus on the Family to accuse homosexuals of wanting to legalize pedophilia, they are creating disgust, a type of disgust that can provoke someone to take revenge by shooting up a gay nightclub in Colorado Springs or break into Nancy Pelosi's home and try to break her kneecaps. 
Yes, Tucker Carlson is free to say anything he wants, but that also means I'm free to say that Tucker Carlson or Focus on the Family all have the blood of the LGBTQ community on their hands. The Focus on the Family doesn't like graffiti. What about freedom of speech, freedom of expression? Oh, you don't like freedom of expression when somebody spray paints on your headquarters, their blood is on your hands. Oh, I guess freedom of speech has its limits. When Tucker Carlson or James Dobson or Ron DeSantis, when they draw a line between pedophilia and drag queen, by throwing that out there in front of millions of people, you are committing vile acts of stochastic terrorism. You have no idea which lunatic with a gun is going to commit a random act of terror terrorism against the people you demonize. But make, make sure you understand, somebody, one of your followers is going to kill somebody, and that blood is on your hands. That blood is on your hands, Tucker Carlson. That blood is on your hands, Ron DeSantis. That blood is on your hands, Dobson, James Dobson from Focus on the Family. When you erase transgender people the way Ron DeSantis or Dave Chappelle do, they are not ordering anyone to beat up a transgender woman. That's not what stochastic terrorists do. All they need to do is vilify a group, create just enough disgust, and then you find, as Bryn Nelson writes in Scientific American, that transgender people end up four times as likely to be victims of violence as cisgender people are, not to mention the suicides. This is the dad of the alleged shooter of the gay nightclub. This is the dad, uh, besides being one of the world's leading Josh Brolin impersonators. This uh, dad of the alleged shooter. Uh, he's the father of the kid who allegedly shot up the gay nightclub in Colorado Springs. He spoke to reporters last week. Watch the relief he expresses when he discovers that his son went into a gay nightclub not to dance, but to kill everyone. Pay attention to what he says, how relieved he is to discover that his son is not gay. He's accused of going on a mass shooting at a gay bar and killing five people. Colorado Well, I saw shit, I'm accused of doing that. I'm surprised not gay. At least he's not gay. Let me play that again, because this Cretan, and I do mean Cretan, kind of slurs his words. He's accused of going on a mass shooting at a gay bar and killing five people. Colorado. Okay, well, well, I saw shit. I'm accused of doing that. I, I, I'm surprised not gay. Oh, I say that, but he's not gay. <laughs> mm-hmm. See, this is why stochastic terrorism exists. The son allegedly acted on somebody's words. Look at this father. Can't you see him acting on somebody's words? Uh, this is uh, 
a man who raised his son to feel nothing but disgust for homosexuals and was so determined and insistent on creating disgust in his son when it came to homosexuality, he unwittingly, he himself, the father, provoked a random act of stochastic terrorism. Here is some more of this wonderful father. The gay bar. Yeah, right. And, and everybody's like, oh my God, is he gay? As a steroid, oh my God, says he gay. Hmm. And he's not gay, so it's like this. So it's, well, you guys had had conversations about that. You, you were. Oh, yeah, so like, you, you, I was you adamant. Him, yeah, you were adamant that gay is bad. I was adamant that gay is bad. I'm a Mormon, I'm a conservative Republican, and we don't do gay. We don't do yeah. gay. We don't do gay. Yeah. Let's watch that again, shall we? Let's watch this again. The gay bar. Yeah, right. And, and I was like, oh my God, is he gay? As a steroid, oh my God, says he gay. And he's not gay, so it's like this. So it's, well, you guys had had conversations about that. You you were. Oh, yeah, so like, you, you, I was you adamant. Him, yeah, you were adamant that gay is bad. I was adamant that gay is bad. I'm a Mormon, I'm a conservative Republican, and we don't do gay. We don't do yeah. gay. We don't do gay. Yeah. I'm a Mormon, I'm a conservative Republican, we don't do gay. Do you see how evil this is? When you bring religion into homophobia, the same way Osama bin Laden used religion to rouse acts of terrorism, when you bring religion into this, this father uh, says he's a Mormon, uh, Focus on the family as a religious organization. They use religion to bring a moral righteousness to demonizing the LGBTQ community, and it results in death. It results in death, either by suicide or someone like this guy's son who allegedly, from what I've been reading, was disgusted by their own sexuality and decided drag queens are to blame for the way they wanted to have sex. So they went in there and shot up a gay bar. Words have consequences. You know, Elon Musk has said he's going to reinstate all the suspended accounts on Twitter. So we can expect QAnon accounts to return to Twitter. And with that, even more conspiracy theories and hate speech. Now, I'm a champion of free speech. And I think the solution, as they say, to bad speech is more speech. But the solution to homophobia isn't more homophobia. The solution to racism isn't more racism. So yeah, the antidote to bad speech is more speech, but not more hate speech. I don't want to be responsible on this platform for hate speech. And I certainly don't want to support anybody who sponsors hate speech. There is something the gatekeepers of radio and television understand. They've understood it from the beginning. And when you get to, to the mainstream where everybody's woke, you know, Disney's woke, CBS, they're all woke, except for Fox and Netflix. Everybody else is woke. When you talk about the big networks, the big cable channels, the big corporate studios, uh, 
they know that certain people, certain ideas, while they're free to have these ideas and, and, and free to say them, they don't belong on our platform. The, the heads of these major networks and studios self-censor. It's a norm, a convention. It's a code of ethics, a code of conduct. Yes, in theory, anybody should be allowed to espouse whatever they want on radio, on television, or in a movie. And in, on certain parts of AM radio, in fact, all of AM radio, that's what they do when it comes to Muslims, the blacks, Hispanics, the LGBTQ community, the Asians. You can hear all that on AM and FM radio. But for the most part, people who own the corporations, who own television and radio stations, movie studios, especially in big markets, they have a simple code when it comes to the kind of speech that you hear from Dave Chappelle, Ron DeSantis, uh, Tucker Carlson, and even... James Dobson, who was syndicated on CBS, but never said, never, ever said the things about the LGBTQ community that he said in his writings and his lectures. Uh, the, the big corporations, as evil as they are, and they are evil, the, uh, they subscribe to a simple code when it comes to this kind of speech. Somewhere else, but not here. Not talking about censorship. I'm saying somewhere else, but not here. Kind of like my dinner table. Kind of like your dinner table. Kind of like your classroom. Somewhere else, but not here. And believe it or not, there are still plenty of people in charge of corporations, classrooms, universities, schools, who say about this type of speech somewhere else, not here, not at my dinner table. What does it mean? It means not here. It means when Joe Rogan foolishly says Kanye West should be interviewed and questioned about his anti-Semitism, when Joe Rogan foolishly says the more we talk to Kanye, the more he can be reasoned with and we can explain why he's wrong, the proper response to Joe Rogan is somewhere else, not here. Not on Joe Rogan in front of millions of people. Why expose Kanye's toxic beliefs to anyone other than a team of psychiatrists? Now, if Kanye wanted to be on my show, and he is insane, so it's possible he might do something as stupid as want to come here, I would say somewhere else, but not here. Because I don't want to amplify his ideas. Because giving Kanye a platform when he so clearly needs to be given medication, it ends up being an act of stochastic terrorism. The wrong people will hear Kanye. The wrong person could hear Kanye. They will agree with him. 
They will be recruited. They will become converts to his bigotry. And all it takes is just one. And that is what Joe Rogan fails to understand about Kanye when he says you can reason with Kanye. You can talk it out with Kanye. You cannot reason with a bigot, a racist, a homophobe, an anti-Semite. You can only, and this is what I told my kids, this is what I came up with a long time ago, you can only identify, isolate, and ignore. Identify, isolate, and ignore. This is what you do with abusers. Identify the bigot, isolate the bigot, and then ignore the bigot. Now, again, I know Kanye is free to say whatever he wants. Not here. Not on this show. And anyone who thinks it's okay to dignify his mental illness by bringing him on their show and thinking he should be heard, then you're irresponsible. You're part of the problem. Again, I am not saying the government should silence Kanye. I'm saying anyone who chooses to amplify his sickness is, by definition, a terrorist, a stochastic terrorist. Kanye needs to be identified, isolated, and ignored. When a comedian erases a transgender person, when a preacher or a pundit demonizes drag queens and draws a link between drag queens and pedophilia, they are contributing to and provoking violence against those people. No, no censorship. I'm not calling for censorship. No jail time. But norms of civilization dictate that the people who know right from wrong, it is their responsibility to vocally identify, isolate, and ignore identify the the bigot or the abuser, isolate the bigot or the abuser, make sure they can't come near you. And if it's physical abuse, call the cops and ignore, ignore. Don't let them, as they say, take up any real estate in your brain. This goes with all abusive people. Identify them as abusive. Identify, label them. This is an abusive person. Isolate them. Keep them away from you and others and ignore them. They're not worthy of your attention. Now, let me just say a few words about bigotry and abuse. Homophobia, racism, anti-Semitism, misogyny, all forms of bigotry are abusive. When you engage in that kind of talk, it is abusive and it leads maybe not to your resorting to physical abuse, but stochastic terrorism. It's a new term we're learning. Uh, it, this term teaches us that maybe your words are violent, but you're not physically violent, but your words trigger people to turn violent. Let's be clear here. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene 
is an abuser. Uh, Marie Newman, who is on the show, uh, Congressman Marie Newman, has a transgender daughter, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, terrorized this congresswoman with signs and protests and heckling about the daughter. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is an abuser. Uh, Nick Fuentes, uh, the 24-year-old Nazi, is an abuser. Milo Yapanopoulos, who is advising Kanye, is an abuser. Uh, Kanye is an abuser. Tucker Carlson is an abuser. Dave Chappelle is an abuser. The, the, the comedy he does about transgender women is abusive. Uh, abusers and their enablers always get defensive. They get triggered. Isn't it interesting when you call them abusive or homophobic or racist or anti-Semitic, it triggers something in them and they can't take it. It's okay for bullies to abuse us. But when we say to them, you know, you're being abusive, you're homophobic, anti-Semitic, you're racist, that's censorship. You're abusing me. I can't. I mean, all Dave Chappelle talks about on SNL and his 25th Netflix special is they're deplatforming me. Typical bullies. So uh, and they have enablers. They have their fans who follow them. So the way abusers and their enablers always work is they attempt to set the parameters for what constitutes abuse, right? They say they're not being abusive, right? I've been Jew baited. If you're a woman, if you've been harassed, the, the person doing it always says, oh, come on, you're taking it the wrong way. Don't tell me how to take your abuse. The victims, not the abuser or his enablers, the victims define what is abusive. It is the victims who decide how they get to feel about the abuse. The abuser and his enablers don't dictate whether or not their behavior is abusive. It's how it's being received by the abused. So if a handful of transgender women or Jews find Dave Chappelle's material abusive, he's the one in a civilized society who needs to change his abusive behavior. He's the one who has to change. We don't have to change the way we receive it. If he doesn't understand why it's abusive, it's his responsibility to learn why it's offensive, why it's abusive. He doesn't get to dictate how we're supposed to feel. Don't you dare punch me and then tell me why I'm taking it the wrong way. Don't you dare tell an African-American to find common ground with Nick Fuentes to talk it out. Abuse is abuse. I'm sorry that, that Donald Trump or Steve Bannon or Kanye or, or Nick Fuentes or Marjorie Taylor Greene or Dave Chappelle and all their enablers get triggered and, and get upset by what we say when we call them transphobic or anti-Muslim or anti-woman or anti-Semitic. Uh, but these are the rules. 
of the road. Instead of telling transgender women or Arabs or Muslims or Hispanics or Asians or transgender women or Jews how they should feel, try listening to somebody other than your simple-minded parochial echo chamber. Give that a try, because those are the rules of the road now. You don't dictate how we're supposed to receive your violence. You have to listen to somebody other than your simple-minded parochial echo chamber. Listen to the LGBTQ community. Listen to blacks, Muslims, Arabs, women, Jews, Asians in America who right now are terrified because of Donald Trump opening up a can of stochastic terrorism. It, it was always there. I mean, Rush Limbaugh was a stochastic terrorist. But when Donald Trump became president, it was the gloves were off for bigots. Listen to the people who say they're terrified. Don't tell me not to be terrified from your behavior. Don't tell me how to feel about your abusive behavior. Listen to the people who say you're abusing them or don't. Don't. That's freedom of speech, freedom of behavior. No, nobody's going to lock you up. Go ahead. Ignore my feelings. And you, you know, try. I'm going to isolate you and ignore you, but you, you know, go ahead and instruct us on how to feel so we can make our abuser feel comfortable. That's what abusers do. They, they dictate our behavior so we can make the abuser feel comfortable. See where that gets you in 2022 and 2023 moving forward. See where that gets you. Uh, the world is changing. So this is why these people need guns, because they're in the minority and they can't use their mouths anymore to express their hatred. So they do need guns. Uh, and that's why I am so opposed to guns. This is why we need an assault weapons ban, because these abusive people cannot defend their words. And so they resort to might makes right. It's my gun, so I say so. But the rest of the world that doesn't allow its citizens to buy assault weapons, and again, it's only a handful of deviants who own assault weapons here in America. The rest of the world is changing. And we're not allowing the abusers or their enablers to, to, to define what constitutes abuse or how the abused should feel about getting abused. The world is change. Change with it or get left behind. Sit with your guns, stockpile your weapons, see where that gets you. It doesn't surprise me that Dave Chappelle still smokes cigarettes. He's still smoking cigarettes. It doesn't surprise me that Donald Trump is a morbidly obese pig who eats at McDonald's. The rest of us who are civilized, we evolve, we learn, 
When we offend somebody, we ask, oh, I'm sorry, what did I do wrong? And then you adjust accordingly. Now, I wish everybody, including Trump, Kanye, Nick Fuentes, Chappelle, Steve Bannon, Kanye, and all their enablers, a gentle, inclusive heart. I do. I hope they learn to evolve. But history, history will destroy them. History will destroy them. You need to change like the Mormons. You need to change like the Mormons. Now, I should mention Senator Mitt Romney is a Mormon. And two weeks ago, he voted to advance the Respect for Marriage Act in the Senate. And the Mormon Church has come out in favor of the Respect for Marriage Act. In a statement on November 15th, the Mormon leadership said it still believes, now listen to this, because I happen to think this is beautiful. This is how America is supposed to work. The Mormon leadership said it still believes marriage is between a man and a woman. But because certain religious freedoms were baked into the Respect for Marriage Act, they said they will support this bill. They will support the Respect for Marriage Act. I cannot get the Mormon leadership. I cannot get them to see that marriage is not solely between a man and a woman. I can't win that. But what I can do, not I, this is what the LGBTQ community, Larry Kramer, I mean, this is what the heroes of the LGBTQ community have accomplished. They can't get the Mormon church to see marriage the way they do. But they got the Mormon church to see them. That's how America is supposed to be. Compromise, compromise. That's what democracy is, compromise. You don't have to change completely. You just have to recognize that the things you believe in, other people don't. And as long as they don't force it on you, we all live happily ever after. Uh, Chip Roy, I talk a lot about Chip Roy, Congressman Chip Roy of Texas, Republican. I bring him up a lot because I happen to believe he is one of the most dangerous politicians in Washington. A little knowledge is a dangerous thing. And Chip Roy has a little knowledge. You know, lawyer, he was Ted Cruz's chief of staff. Uh, a little knowledge of the Constitution is a dangerous thing. Chip Roy is a gun nut, Freedom Caucus, so he's a nut, a dangerous nut who holds, and I've brought this up before, and this is really important, so I'm going to review it and, and show you how dangerous a little knowledge is. He subscribes to the insurrection theory of the Second Amendment, where our founding fathers, so he thinks, wanted to give ordinary citizens weapons to take arms against the government when it becomes tyrannical. 
And this is what the sloganeers say. Uh, I've been getting into it with uh, Second Amendment people this week because I wrote some things, I said some things about outlawing all guns. And it provoked a lot of uh, NRA people to spew these copy and paste talking points that they get from the gun manufacturers, the, the multi-billion dollar uh, gun manufacturers and the NRA. It's all copy and paste. Uh, so there's an idea out there. It's the insurrection theory of the Second Amendment. It is so dangerous and such bullshit. It's a bromide that the, the gun manufacturers have pushed on the simpletons who want to buy guns and the gun manufacturers want to sell them guns. Our founding fathers didn't create a constitution with all these checks and balances uh, so that disgruntled gun nuts can come around and scream tyranny, grab their guns, storm the Capitol or the White House and overthrow the government. That's not what our founding father, there is no insurrection theory to the Second Amendment. It was invented by people. It was invented by Madison Avenue, basically, to sell more guns. Our founding fathers, if you want to go back to original intent, our founding fathers only wanted white male landowners to vote. That's it. So if you want to go to the original intent chip, uh, they didn't want the American people to vote, let alone, they didn't want them to own guns. And they certainly never wanted to leave it to gun nuts like Chip Roy to decide what is tyranny. Let's talk this out for a second, okay? Because there are some fiery speeches that Chip Roy has delivered on the floor of the House about how we need guns to protect the American people from a tyrannical government. So that sounds like I've thought about that. I go, well, that sounds almost reasonable until you think about it. Okay, tell me who gets to decide when our government is officially tyrannical. Chip, Roy, tell me, what, what, what is the, the, the yardstick that signals, ah, this is officially a tyrannical government, time to take up arms against it. Who gets to decide that? Is there a court, a commission that decides this government is officially tyrannical? Have at it? I would love him to answer that question. You moron, you Chip Roy, a, a dangerous Moron. This is why I'm against guns, because dangerous morons cling to their guns. So play this out for me, a wise and scholarly Chip Roy with your law degree. Uh, answer this question. Who decides America has become uh, under has come under the spell of a tyrannical government? Who gets to decide? The people stockpiling weapons? Do they get to say, okay, this is tyranny? Uh, 
This is just a complete misreading of the Constitution and the Second Amendment in the service of selling more weapons. That's all this is. This is just sloganeering from Madison Avenue for the arms dealers. Uh, Chip Roy, like, you know, Ted Cruz, he was Ted Cruz's chief of staff. And Ted Cruz takes more money from the gun industry than any other politician in Washington. Chip Roy takes his money from the multi-billion dollar gun industry. And uh, he'll say anything to get his money. So you're a lunatic, Chip Roy. Uh, You're deeply troubled and you're depraved. What is this vision you have for America where the people take arms against the, the mythical tyranny? Again, I don't know how you decide when it's officially tyrannical. Seems somewhat dangerous to leave that up to, oh, I don't know, a, a militia to declare America is a tyranny? I don't know, maybe the people who gathered on the ellipse January 6th and stormed the Capitol, do they get to decide our government is tyrannical? Describe the landscape for us after you've decided this is a tyrannical government, Chip Roy. What, what, what does America look like? Well, apparently, because I'm going to play a speech of his, little clip. Apparently, Chip Roy's landscape post-overthrow of the tyrannical government of the United States is a Hobbesian nightmare of warlords and militia leaders, gun-toting strongmen controlling their own swaths of land, charging people for protection, complete chaos, a complete breakdown in the social order. That is Chip Roy's, Congressman Chip Roy's, insurrection theory of the Second Amendment. He has no plan for what, how we decide the government's a tyranny and what comes after. And this is the Republican Party. This is what they believe because they are bought and paid for by the NRA. This is the conservative party in the United States. This is how far the gun manufacturers have twisted the core ideology of the Republican Party, which is conservatism, okay? Here you have people who call themselves conservatives Preaching in the service of gun ownership, mayhem, a permanent riot. That is the opposite of conservatism, okay? But this is what Chip Roy, this is what the Freedom Caucus believes in. This is what Ted Cruz, this is what the Republican Party believes in gun rights, right? They believe that... The government becomes tyrannical. We overthrow it. Who overthrows it? Who? We we haven't figured that one out. What happens after we overthrow the government? See, conservatism is the complete opposite of that. Edmund Burke, his writing, he's an Irish-British philosopher. Uh, His writing is, or thanks to people like uh, Chip Roy, was the source of modern-day 
conservative thought. Uh, Edmund Burke saw the chaos that came from the French Revolution, and in 1790, he wrote Reflections on the Revolution in France. He was a Brit who saw what the French were enduring after they beheaded the king. So Edmund Burke is the father of modern-day conservatism because he champions the old order through morality. He maintains in Reflections on the Revolution in France that uh, when the old order breaks down, you end up with Robespierre, the Committee of Public Safety, Blood on the Street, and the Guillotine. Conservative thought, up until gun nuts like Chip Roy, until gun nuts like Chip Roy infiltrated the Republican Party, conservative thought was maintaining the established order and fixing it ever so slightly from within. Conservatives, up until recently, were heirs to Edmund Burke's precepts of conserving what civilization has built, thus a conservative. But no, no longer. Now we just storm the Capitol. Now we take arms against a government when we don't approve of it. Storm the Capitol, it's tyranny. So I'm going to play you a clip of this very dangerous and demented Chip Roy. I think he drinks. I, you know, I don't know, but it sounds like he's liquored up. Um, so Kevin McCarthy, credibly stupid man, wants to be speaker. And there's a rebellion going on inside the Republican Party. Chip Roy is a member of the conservative House Freedom Caucus. They screwed with McCarthy before. They don't like him. And he is complaining uh, in this clip about how Mitch McConnell over in the Senate and how McCarthy are uh, rallying the Republican Party and not catering to the uh, House Freedom Caucus. He's accusing Kevin McCarthy of negotiating with people, I'm using the term loosely when I'm referring to Marjorie Taylor Greene, he's buying the silence, McCarthy is buying the silence of Marjorie Taylor Greene by giving her committee assignments. She was stripped of her committee assignments. So he's, McCarthy is making deals with people who we thought were conservative firebrands. And this is driving Chip Roy further nuts. He's already nuts. Watch Second Amendment gun nut Chip Roy tear down the idea of compromise. I was just talking about how the Mormon church and Mitt Romney have compromised on same-sex marriage. Here is gun nut Chip Roy tearing down the idea of government, of compromise. This is the man who believes that the Second Amendment has an insurrection, an unseen insurrection clause. Well, watch his mind at work. Watch him paint the world he wants to live in where we don't elect leaders like Kevin McCarthy. We, we just follow them, that there's a natural order of things to follow the most powerful. Stop kissing each other's rear ends, asking and begging for some slot on a committee. We didn't come here to be on committees. We didn't come here 
to get a title. Oh, Jimmy, the title's around this place. Who is in leadership? Leadership. In leadership. Hang on for one second. I was muted. He says we didn't come here for committees. We didn't, we didn't come here for committees. What did you come here for then, Chip Roy? Why did you come to Washington, D.C. if you didn't want to go to hearings and committees and compromise? Something you recognize and follow? Oh, the titles around this place. Who is in leadership? Leadership. Is leadership something you recognize and follow? It's not something you elect? Let me play that again. Is leadership something you recognize and follow? It's not something you elect? Is leadership something you recognize and follow? It's not something you elect? Is leadership something you recognize and follow? It's not something you elect? What a piece of shit, Chip Roy. Isn't leadership something you recognize and follow? It's not something you elect. This is the, the gun nut. This is what the Freedom House Freedom Caucus believes, that leadership is something you recognize and follow, not someone you elect. Well, why would you recognize and follow someone? They've got a gun. Their gun is bigger than yours. These are dangerous, sick people owned and operated by even more dangerous and even sicker people, the NRA, who are owned and operated by the gun manufacturers. These are the people. They have no logic. They cannot back up their argument for assault weapons, but they just shout it. They think if they write it in all caps, it has to be true. The only thing that stops a bad man with a gun is a good man with a gun. Never happens. Never happens. In Colorado, the shooter was subdued by an army veteran with his hands. Occasionally, somebody will show up with a gun after the bad guy with a gun killed five or six people. And once or twice, they take them out. But they just spew these bromides, these slogans, and they just keep saying it over and over again where it, it almost sounds true. Like, yeah, the, the, our founding fathers gave us the Second Amendment to protect the citizenry from a tyrannical government. Oh, okay, that sounds reasonable. Play it out for me, Chip, you piece of shit. It's really quite remarkable how far gone Chip Roy is. He literally lets slip that leadership isn't elected. This is the man who believes in the insurrection clause, the hidden insurrection clause of the Second Amendment. Uh, he just wants to shut down Washington. That's, he was elected to come to Washington. He said it, not to sit on committees. Not, he's there to, to destroy Washington, to take a wrecking ball to Washington. He just wants everyone to own a gun. And whoever has the biggest gun and the most ammo wins. I would call Chip Roy a Neanderthal, but I've learned that Neanderthals survived through cooperation. And then they didn't survive. But uh, 
he doesn't believe in cooperation. He believes in isolation. Leave me alone. Sick. Sick. Speaking of very sick, the January 6th committee uh, called Kellyanne Conway to testify yesterday. Now, the January 6th committee will be disbanded on, I believe it's January 3rd, right? 2023. That's when the new Congress takes over. You can be sure with Republicans in charge, they're not interested in what happened on January 6th. Uh, they know what happened on January 6th, and they don't want to talk about it. So before the January 6th committee issues their final report, uh, they're going at a pretty fevered pace right now. And yesterday, Kellyanne Conway testified. That must have been uh, interesting when she put her hand on the Bible. I, Kellyanne Conway, do solemnly swear that the evidence I shall give will be the truth, the whole truth, some half-truths, a few alternative truths, and nothing but some facsimile of the truth, so help me God. Mike Pence was in Chicago on Monday promoting his new book, and when asked about his old boss, Donald Trump, hosting Kanye West and Nick Fuentes at Mar-a-Lago, Pence, seen here scolding his penis, Pence said, and I quote, President Trump was wrong to give a white nationalist, an anti-Semite, and a Holocaust denier a seat at the table, and I think he should apologize for that. Oh, okay. Well, Trump's dinner with Kanye has split Republicans right down the middle. Half of them are furious that Trump hosted an anti-Semite. The other half are angry he hosted a black man. This is what Jonathan Greenblatt, the head of the Jewish Anti-Defamation League, had to say yesterday. So for Donald Trump to dine with notorious white supremacists and unrepentant bigots, I think at a minimum, Sarah, it's clarifying. He is trying to make America hate again and running arguably the most unapologetic white nationalist presidential campaign we've ever seen. I was going to say that bell that went off, I won't do the joke. I'm not going to do it. I, I, you know, there are a lot of jokes I would have made uh, before Trump was president, but I'm scared. I'm scared. But uh, I do have a lot of Republican friends, and I know for a fact there's absolutely no room in the Republican Party for white supremacists or anti-Semites. Literally, there's no room. All the seats are taken. It's standing room only. And somebody's going to call the fire marshal. If you enjoyed today's segment of The David Feldman Show, this is the new segment, please hit the like button and subscribe. Share this with your friends. Please do me a favor. You would be amazed and how simply sharing this, one of you, if just one of you, I don't know why, but if one of you shares this on social media or through email, it, it triggers the gatekeepers and it puts the show out in, in front of more people. I don't understand why, but it does. One share, that's all it takes. I'm David Feldman. 
reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. It's time right now for the David Feldman Show. So get your ears on right, buckle in. Let's go to Los Angeles where Howie Klein is standing by, founder, treasurer of the Blue America Pack. Read him every day over at Down With Tyranny. Howie, I read a piece that you wrote about Tony Cardenas. He's going to be part of the, the Democratic leadership. It seems to be that. And he read it as well and flipped out. I mean, flipped out. And take me very personally. <laughs> Well, I would, too, because you talked about Aguilar last week and his problem with cocaine. He's going to be part of the Democratic leadership. Now, this Tony Cardenas has Cardenas Cardenas is going to be part of the Democratic leadership. I'll leave that story to you about contusion and all the filth and, and violent pornography in his past. After reading the Tony Cardenas story over Down with Tyranny, it blew my mind last night and it reinforced my grand unifying theory about corporate America, about politics and power, that there are two types of people at the top of the food chain. The absolute top is a monster. And then his second or her second in command is a a easily malleable, pliant, compliant weakling with a secret so that Hitler surrounded himself with Ernst Rome because he knew Ernst Rome had a secret. (laughs) He did. Yeah. Obama surrounded himself with Biden, made him second in command because he knew that Biden had uh, a son. And I, I, I think... You don't get to be at the top without a dirty, dark secret. I don't think George W. Bush was got the, got the Republican nomination in spite of the fact that he was a coke-addicted draft dodger. I think he got the nomination because he was a coke-addicted draft dodger, that he would be, he could be manipulated by the people who hired him, you know, the defense contractors, the the oil companies that put him in place. Is this what's happening in the Democratic leadership? Is Hakeem Jeffries the monster and Cardenas and Aguilar, are they the Ernst Romes with dirty, dark secrets that he can manipulate? Um, Look, I, I can see your your unifying theory of being, you know, pretty good. But um, no, I don't think that um, Hakeem Jeffries is the is the the brains behind all this. And he would fit uh, as, you know, some pawn as well. If, uh, you know, Wall Street could be pulling the, the strings here or APAC could be pulling the strings. I mean, um, Hakeem Jeffries is, is new to most people who don't follow politics, you know, really, really, really closely, but he's been around for a while. He, he was in the New York state legislature and he has a horrible record. He's been, he's a terrible um, politician who is, has been completely owned by wall street and wants wanted to be owned by wall street and APAC. 
they they run the show. So you know you could say, well, you know, APAC uh, is behind this, and they're pushing him to be the the, uh, the head of the uh, House Democrats. And you would be correct if you said that because it's the, it's the case. Now we're going to talk about the new head of the DCCC. This is a shocking. This may be be coordinate. Yeah, I, I have a picture of him up on the screen right now. Is he the most corrupt head of the DCCC you've ever seen? No. <laughs> First of all, there's Rahm Emanuel. Second of all, the guy who, who is running against Cardinus is literally as bad as Cardinus <laughs> in a different way. But Ami Berra is, is another California Democrat, like as is Cardinus. And Berra uh, got into some, you know, uh, campaign finance shenanigans where he was he he was going over the limits by having his parents send money to another uh, four other uh, Democratic uh, congressmen's parents and they were sending money so it looked like everyone was getting contributions um, from other people's parents but it was all it was all you know zeroed out so they they were violating the law so when and it got it it got uh, the whistle got blown. And when the whistle got blown, Ami Berra was the one standing there without the seat. And what does he do? He he lets his father, his 80-year-old father, go to prison. <laughs> the father took the rap wow. and he went to jail. Wow. Yeah. Let, let's do it. Cl- is one that's against Cardinus. Okay, now, let, hang on for know, one second. Because we have foreign listeners just do a quick civics lesson, because what is happening this week in terms of the Democratic leadership in the House of Representatives? Explain the votes that are being taken. Right. On Wednesday, the Democrats are, are going. Well, it's not exactly a vote. That's I was thought. And in the article that you referenced, I, I said, well, we'll look forward uh, to Wednesday to see who votes how. Uh, no, there's no vote. <laughs> really? They don't, they don't want anyone to know who voted how they're just going to everybody in favor say aye that's it end of story that's that's all there is it's, it's, it's called unanimous consent so there will be no vote and we will never know if anybody had the guts to stand up to Hakeem Jeffries and Pete Aguilar uh, and the rest of them so that's on Wednesday where the Democrats are picking their horrible new leaders in the house in the house of representatives so Hakeem Jeffries is slated to become the House Minority Leader and then the future Speaker if they ever win the House back. And then who would... Right, although with him as the head, they'll never win the House back. Right, right. And then the whip... Although although I should take that back because there's something that I haven't brought up and you haven't brought up, which is that as bad as these people are, McCarthy and his crew are worse. <laughs> so, I mean, the whole House of Representatives is going to be uh, led by just a, a bunch of clowns on both sides. But at least there's dissent. At least you have Matt Gates. You have, uh, what's his name? Arizona, the uh, insurrectionist. Uh, Biggs. The way it is now, there are, there are 222 Republicans um, and there are uh, you, so you need 118 votes to to be elected speaker. You need 118 votes uh, because there are 222 Republicans, and he is, already has five Republicans saying they will absolutely not vote for him. That means he only has uh, uh, um, 
217 votes, one shy. And that doesn't include people who aren't saying they're not going to vote for him, but maybe won't vote for him, like Paul Gosar. Paul Gosar hasn't said one way or the other who he's voting for. I assume Paul Gosar is not going to vote for McCarthy, so that brings it down to 216. The point that I'm making, though, is he doesn't have the 218 votes to become uh, Speaker. So we don't really know who the Speaker is going to be at this point. But at least the Republicans, at least the Republicans who are, we're told, against democracy, at least they they vote on it. At least it's it, the Democrats are all marching in lockstep here for their leadership. Well, well uh, let me explain that a little bit. So the Republicans already had their vote for, for, for leader. And we know what the vote came down to, but we don't know who voted what way because it's a secret ballot. Just like the Democrats would be having, they would be having a secret ballot as well. They're not going to have a secret ballot. They're just going to have like a bunch of noise. Uh, but but no one would, no one knows who voted for or, or against McCarthy in that in that vote that they had already. The reason that um, we will know eventually who votes how is because it's a, it's a rule of the House, not of the individual parties, that the speakers vote gets recorded. So there can't be any any funny business around that. So it's not that the Republicans are suddenly in favor of democracy. They have no choice. There will be a vote. Every Democrat and every Republican will publicly cast their vote, and you'll know who they voted for to be Speaker. Presumably, all the Democrats will vote for Hakeem Jeffries, the leader of the party, and some number of Republicans, maybe all of them, maybe not, uh, we'll vote for uh, Kevin McCarthy. Wow, did we get off the off the? Right, we'll, get to, we'll get we'll get to Cardinus in a second because you you wrote some amazing things over down with tyranny. You you write that for the first time in one hundred years, it is conceivable that a speaker won't win on the first ballot. You you talk you and you have this great story. I think it was nineteen thirty where the Republicans narrowly won the House and then God step God stepped in. I, yo, that you know how long it took me to get that information. It, it literally, I mean, I, it, it, I did so much research, and I and I still can't, and I still couldn't find out all of the Republicans who died or took jobs or, or whatever they did and were no longer in Congress. So, in other words, in November, uh, the Republicans were ahead by what did I say, six votes or something yeah. like that. And this was 1930, right? Hoover was president. <laughs> Republicans were ahead by six votes. By January, the time by the time the speaker came in, enough of them had passed away <laughs> or, or fired or gone to jail that uh, the Democrats suddenly had the majority. And the Democrats and they had special elections. And the Democrats won some of those special elections because the um, uh, uh, the, the um, uh, Great Depression was ra- was raging, and everyone just hated Herbert Hoover, and they decided to take it out on these Republicans who were running in these in these red districts and they lost enough of them lost so that the Democrats gained the majority. So, you know, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, that was a, that was a really weird case, but it happened. And if McCarthy doesn't win on the first ballot, crazier things uh, have happened. Donald Trump comes in as the white knight and is voted. Well, he could, but I, don't, I think there are enough Republicans who won't vote for him. There's other possibilities as well. Uh, you know, some of the really conservative Democrats, led by Josh Gottheimer from New Jersey, the Blue Dog, has uh, have, has have offered to support McCarthy in return for whatever. 
Mm. I mean, so in other words, they're saying they'll, they'll come in. However, the Freedom Caucus has said if uh, McCarthy makes a deal with the Democrats, uh, they, will, they will withdraw all of their support. All of them will, will not vote for him. So then we're stuck again with a situation of no speaker. So what happens then? It sort of gets it gets wide open. I, I don't think uh, Trump is the answer, anyone's idea of an answer. But, you know, I, I think the person who's sitting there sort of waiting and salivating is Jim Jordan. Mm-hmm. It serves. Who has pledged that he would support McCarthy, and he will. He'll supp- he will support McCarthy on that first ballot. Right. But uh, if McCarthy can't win uh, I think he's the person that the Republicans will turn to. Right. Now, if you don't believe in government and you want to shut Washington down, that means you're part of the richest. Right, the Republican Party. Right. And, or part of the richest 1%. This kind of drama, not getting a speaker on the first ballot and having all of us fall prey to this and 24-hour coverage, will the House of Representatives have a, a speaker? This kind of theatrics can almost be planned, almost, by the rich and powerful to make sure we're not addressing homelessness, the eviction crisis, Medicare for all. This is a wonderful, another distraction. Don't forget fair taxation. And fair taxation. Just let the clowns fight it out. In, in the House of Representatives and have Michael Beschloss go on MSNBC and say, never before have I seen our legislative branch in so much danger. This is and we all get scared and more months go by where we don't have a speaker. And we also don't have, as you say, fair taxation or somebody taking a vote on whether or not we want to give all this military aid to Ukraine. It serves the elite quite well. These constitutional crises. Absolutely, it makes the uh, it makes the Democrats uh, it makes uh, government look really bad, which mm-hmm. which of course is what they would love. Right, and the, and Republicans go along with that. They want to, they don't want governance. They want no governance. They want right. the, the less governance, better for them. So the the D triple C. I've known you for twelve years. Tell us what the D triple C is. And the Democrat uh, uh, Congressional Campaign Committee. So they are in charge of electing Democrats to the House of Representatives. That's what they do. And they do that by um, raising lots and lots of money. That's 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 what they do. And most people who have gotten to know them have gotten to know them since Rahm Emanuel was was the head, Uh, you know, one of the most corrupt and ruthless Democrats in the House in our lifetimes. And he was the head of the DCCC. He uh, literally would go to Republicans, literally, and say, hey, why don't you switch your party, become a Democrat, and we'll pay for you to, to get in, and then you can vote, vote any way you want. He, he did that. And he elected a, a bunch of horrible uh, so-called Democrats. And um, all of them, uh, all of his candidates who won, then subsequently lost. Uh, re-election because once Democrats um, realized what they they had been tricked into, they they wouldn't vote for these people again. So with you know within a few years, they were, every one of them, no exceptions, was gone. Okay, that's Rom's uh, Rom's candidate. So he now, was the candidate. He and, was the head of the DCCC. And do we vote on the DCCC head of the DCCC, or he's appointed, or she? 
Yeah. So <laughs> we'll know. We'll know very soon. So it, it's, it varies. So right now, the, the everyone in the caucus gets a vote. In the, what they want to do is they want to change that so that the the the, lead, the Democratic leader, whether it's the minority leader or the speaker, will nominate somebody, and then uh, and then you know then everybody just says yes. Okay. There's no. There's, right now there, there is a, there is a vote though. Okay. So I'm a I'm as you you call Nancy and Chuck Schumer and Hakeem Jeffries and. Crowley who lost to AOC, Wall Street bagmen. They're bagmen for Wall Street. So I'm Hakeem Jeffries. I'm, I'm a Wall AOC. No, 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 he was the AOC. No, Crowley, it, the guy that was defeated by AOC. The bagman for Wall Street, exactly right. Right. So I'm a bagman for Wall Street. I'm getting the money. That's why I'm the speaker. I want somebody running the DCCC who's not going to freelance, go, I, I need you to spend the money exactly how I tell you to spend it. I don't want any back talk. You do what I tell you. So find me somebody who is weak, corrupt, broken, has a secret, and will do as I say, or else, is that what Tony Card Cardenas is? Is it, is yes. It, okay. There's, there's, that's a, that was a good uh, jump. Yes, absolutely. That is what Tony, Tony Cardenas is. So he's he's a weak, flawed, corrupt figurehead who, if he doesn't follow my marching orders, I'll turn him in. You're going to prison. Yeah. Well, I don't think it ever comes to that because, you know, they 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 do follow the marching orders. Right. So Tony Cardenas is a very, very corrupt guy and has been, uh, you know, he takes, he's a corporate guy. He's, he's been the, um, sort of in charge of the money for the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, which is uh, notably uh, corrupt itself. Um, you know, they, they have corporations who pay for them to, you know, go on uh, trips where they have parties. Uh, but himself, um, you know, in his own, uh, he, he was in the, L he was part of the LA city council. He was known then as a very corrupt uh, member of the LA city council. And he's been corrupt ever since getting more and more corrupt by the moment. But the story that you want me to talk about yeah, now, who is I contusion? Believe, who is contusion? Okay. You live in LA, know who Bill Handel is, right? You know, who Bill Handel is too. You used to live here. Yep. Yes. Number yep. one so drive Bill time. Is a right wing. Uh, talk show host on KFI. So, you know, uh, um, he's one of the one of the best known LA talk show hosts on the far right. Racist. And he's a racist. His brother. Sorry. He's a racist. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, his his brother is contusion, and who's contusion? Con well, his uh, in in uh, before he changes into his contusion outfit. He is a extremely corrupt uh, developer, a real estate developer who has always depended on uh, Tony Cardenas and other uh, corrupt members of the city council to get him uh, permits that he shouldn't have gotten. So he has been used to paying these people off for years and years, decades. And so he does that. That's what he does for a living. But then he's got a, uh, what is considered the most violent and repulsive free business in the whole country. But, but you broke and up. What kind of business? Comes in. You're, right. you're breaking up. What kind of what? 
that's where conflict comes in. It's not that I'm breaking up and someone is trying to call on, on the other line, unfortunately. It's just, it's just, it's just a spam risk. So, it's, you know, that, it's, that nightmare. It's t- Tony Cardin is calling you. Go ahead. No, he doesn't, he doesn't call me directly. He calls me through someone. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So contusion, Bill Handel's brother, big corrupt real estate tycoon in Los Angeles. Go ahead. Yes. He has. He, so he, he's so there's a money situation in a big way between contusion, the pornographer developer and Tony Cardenas. Also, Alex Padilla, by the way, the, the senator who was appointed by Gavin Newsom. So uh, who also was on the L.A. City Council and has been a uh, in this client relationship with contusion. Right. And, and describe and, and what kind of pornography does contusion do? Very, very, very violent pornography, uh, you know, with with names of, that I, I wouldn't repeat uh, uh, in front of the ears of your uh, right. your listener. And it but, is uh, the contusion. Yeah. Going beyond what any other pornographer does and, you know, beating the shit out of these women who don't expect that that's going to happen to them. But it's suddenly they realize that he's not kidding. He's playing for real. And he's uh, a very, very sick individual. He doesn't do this anymore. Right. It got exposed and then there is no more contusion. But this is what has been happening for years and years and years until relatively recently. So what's. Um, but he's going, not and he's not on. no police. Nobody filed any. There's a documentary. Is it no, called Pariah? No, yeah, no. Pariah was the name of two things. The, his company was called Pariah. And based on that, there is a documentary called Pariah that isn't out yet. What I run on my on my website is a trailer, a brand new trailer for Pariah. So, you know, anyone who's really interested can find that on, on uh, at Down with Tyranny. Right. Or on YouTube. Right. Uh, it's, and it's disturbing. That's where I got it. It's very disturbing. It is. It's very disturbing. It shows him beating up some of these women, for example. But 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 let's not delve into that. Is delve into how this relates to Tony Cardenas, the next head of the DCCC. Okay. So so here he, he is grooming this very young Latina who is a golf champion. So she's going to be like a big national star because she is a. Uh, I think she was sixteen. Who is who he? he who he? Who he? Cardenas. Okay. Okay. So he's grooming this Latina golf star and uh, and eventually drugs her and rapes her. An underage girl. And what does he do? He he has uh, Handel's brother, Contusion, pay for a four room house. Now, this girl is living with her family in a trailer. And they and they, to shut her up, they bought them a four bedroom home, gave the bro, the the, uh, the father and and one of the brothers jobs, and told her if she knows what's good for her and for her family, she'll keep her mouth shut. Mm. This is this is the guy who's, who is being selected by the Democratic Caucus to run the DCCC. Now I've been. Um, sending the, the um, my writing and the trailer to members of Congress, and some members of Congress have told me that they they had every intention of voting for him, and they will, will not vote for him now. But like I said, the alternative is just as bad. <laughs> Ami Berry is just 
bad as Tony Cardenas. And there is no one else. There were, there were two other people that were going to run, one of whom was pretty decent, and they got chased out of the race. Who is controlling this race? Uh, Hakeem Jeffries, I think. But believe me, they don't tell me who's controlling it. And do you think Hakeem Jeffries knows this? I mean, haven't you talked there is about no it? doubt. You've if, talked if about you didn't know it. You've talked I mean, about this. Nancy Pelosi knows it. She got involved with it in the very beginning when the rape charges first came out. Uh, Nancy was right there and she was flipping out over it. But as soon as they were able to make it go away, uh, it just it, they just disappeared. It disappeared down the memory hole uh, with um, with Pelosi sort of, you know, smiling happily. You've talked about Cardenas before and certainly Aguilar with the cocaine. Well, I've. Uh, Cardenas uh, from the time this was happening years a couple of years ago. Right. When, when this first all came out, I started writing about it. Well, you know, I, I, the girl. I'm sorry. And I spoke to the girl that he raped. You've talked to the girl? Not recently, but it, uh, I talked to her when it happened. I don't. Und- I, I mean. Why isn't he going to jail? Why aren't they prosecuting him? Well, they did. They did prosecute him, but it's kind of a long story, which I cover as well. And it's, they, got a, um, they got a bogus lawyer for her. Uh, so they wound up with, uh, I think it was the lawyer who handled um, uh, Henry Weinstein. And and that lawyer purposely threw the case in such Har- a Harvey way Weinstein. that- Har- Harvey Weinstein. Who did I say? Henry Weinstein. That's my yeah, de- that's my dentist. Uh, yeah, she 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 threw the case in such a way that it can never it can never be brought up again. It, it was a shocking situation, but this girl totally got screwed over. So when I get emails, yep. angry emails from Republicans, MAGA Republicans, saying you're beholden to pedophiles, the Democratic Party's run by pedophiles. Well, that isn't true. They're not run by it's not run by pedophiles, but there are certainly pedophiles in both parties. There's no doubt about that. But I, I will say something that's a, that's of interest. As soon as it, it was whispered to Kevin McCarthy that um, Patrick McHenry of North Carolina was the one who tried to get um, Madison uh, Cawthorn. Uh, Cawthorn. Cawthorn tried to get Cawthorn into bed. Uh, now, remember, Patrick McHenry is a very close ally of, of McCarthy's. And Patrick McHenry had already uh, um, paid, I think, $2 million to become whip. So he had already paid up. And as soon as McCarthy found out that he was the one that uh, invited uh, McHenry, uh, that invited Cawthorn to the orgy. <laughs> uh, McHenry said, you're not getting your money back. You're not going to be whip. You know, screw you. Mm. Uh, now they gave him, a, uh, they gave him something else instead. He's going to be the head of the financial services committee, right. which is, which is a very, very lucrative position. Um, but, but he, he can't be in, he can't be in the formal uh, top leadership of the Republican party. Now it, I would I would love it if uh, Pelosi would do things like that, or if Hakeem Jeffries is obviously not going to ever do anything like that. But they don't. You know, right. they're all 
I hate to say it, and everyone freaks out when you when you start uh, you know you start comparing the two parties like this, but they're all really corrupt. Right. A, a woman wrote me an angry letter saying, "Why are you and Howie trashing King Jeffries? He's a well-educated." <laughs> this is what she wrote. He, she said, "He's a well-educated black man." Yeah, she said, "A well-educated, well-spoken black man." And I wrote back, "Madam, yeah. you're a racist. You're a racist." <laughs> To, to, to write that. So as a, you would have no idea what you're talking about. Right. And as a civics lesson, a week from now, let, let's talk about the current House leadership. And you tell me who the, the racism thing. I, I just want to say I just want to say one thing before we move on, yeah. which is that I have been told by several members of the Democratic Party that the reason that no one is running against Hakeem Jeffries is because he's black. And, you, and if, if you run against him, um, there will be the, you know, the, the, the threat of uh, Clyburn whispering that you're a racist. OK, so no, no one. Everyone's afraid to run against him. OK, so. Nice, huh? Yeah, nice. So let's go through the current Democratic leadership and supposedly a week from now, we will know who's so Wednesday. Okay, so we next time we talk, the, the Nancy Pelosi in the new Congress would be the House Minority Leader. She will be replaced by no, 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 no. Nancy will not be Minority Leader. No, I'm Nancy saying she, she will go out as Speaker. No, no, I'm saying uh, that, that and, it would be Hakeem Jeffries who would replace her as House Minority Leader. That's right. Okay. Unless, unless a bunch of Republicans die and the Democrats wind up, wind up right. with party, Hakeem Jeffries will be the uh, speaker. <laughs> God, I'm just telling you, God and Jesus, they listen to this show. They, 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 I get letters from God and Jesus, and they say they love Howie Klein. So we, you never know what they may decide. Okay, what, Steny Hoyer, what is his title and who is going to replace him? So Steny Hoyer is now uh, the House Majority Leader. So he's right under Pelosi. Mm -hmm. So in other words, she was the House Majority Leader. She was, no, I'm sorry, she was the House Minority Leader. And then when the Democrats won the, uh, um, won the majority, she became Speaker. And then Steny Hoyer, who had been the whip, became the, uh, the, the Majority Leader. So he's, he's giving up that job. He's gonna stay in Congress, as is Pelosi. Uh, and that job will go to uh, Catherine Clark. Now, you've noticed probably that when I've been denouncing um, Hakeem Jeffries and uh, Aguilar, uh, I don't include her. And that's because, you know, she's not my idea of, of a great a great leader or a great member of Congress, but she's not bad. Mm -hmm. she, you know, I, I'm not going to accuse her of being corrupt. I'm not going to accuse her of anything. She, she's okay. She's, right. she's not as progressive. I wish she was, but you know, it's not up to me. She's okay. You, you can't make a, you can't really make a case against her. That, okay. that makes, that, that makes sense. So that's why I leave her out. Whereas the other two are hideous. Right. And they're Cl hideous. Clyburn, they made, is he the whip? So he was, he was the number three guy. Uh, and he, he doesn't want to leave leadership. The other, you know, uh, uh, Pelosi said she's leading, leaving leadership and Hoyer said he's leaving leadership. But so they made a, uh, you know, kind of a fake position for him so he can still be a leader. But, he'll, you know, he's lazy and he doesn't do anything anyway. But, you know, he he uh, he, he you know doesn't want to go out at this point. 
So he's he's still going to be uh, you know a so-called leader. And who will be whip? Whip will be. Uh, wait a second now. So the number one guy will be Hakeem Jeffries. Number two will be Kath uh, Clark. And Pete Aguilar. And Aguilar, but I, I think he, I think he's going to be caucus leader. So I guess. I don't know. I, uh, you know what? I should get that straight. But I think, I mean, unless, unless what's his name stays as, as whip, unless Clyburn stays as whip. Which, okay. So yeah, cause there's nobody else. There's no one else coming in. Right. And we won't know until January 3rd. When do they vote on speaker? January 3rd. Oh, Wednesday. No, for speaker. Wait, no, no, this is, this, this is, vote, we vote on Wednesday on who the Democratic leadership will be. No, I'm, I'm talking about the Speaker of the House. We have to wait till January. Yeah, that, that happens in January. Uh, I'm not sure what the, what the date is of that, but the Republicans don't take over until like, like something like the 15th. Uh, and this will be the first vote of the new, uh, of the 118th Congress. Okay, before you go, thank you. This is just magnificent. Uh, it's everything... <laughs> It's nobody does this better than you uh, combining the salacious, uh, a salacious civics <laughs> cl class. If you taught, you should be paid to go to high schools to teach salacious civics and everybody would follow uh, their government. Except that girl who's who's uh, who's writing to you on, on your uh, <laughs> from your uh, right. uh, your room there. Yeah. So She's convinced that we're racist. Yeah. So how dare you that a uh, that a black man uh, can be corrupt? It's like uh, un unheard of. Right. And he's educated. At least you didn't say he, he looks good. Right. <laughs> right. Like Joe Biden said about Obama. Yeah. That's what I was referring to. Yeah. That's right. People forget what Joe Biden said about Obama, which is why. Obama picked him to be vice president because he wasn't any threat to him. So Donald Trump, we've counted him out. And he always bounces back, but he did. Really count Donald I'm sorry. You can never really count Donald Trump out. As long as there are like lots and lots and lots of morons, the Donald Trump is always looming. Right. He did lose. So he did lose in 2020. By a lot. By a lot. And he's not president. Is this right. dinner with Kanye and uh, the Groiper, uh, what's his name, Nick Fuentes and Milo Yapinapolopoulos uh, in the background, is this, is this it for him? Uh, no, I, I'm never going to say anything is it for him anymore. I've done that too many times. Right. But he is, he is. The, the a lot of Republicans want it to be it for him. They want anything to be it for him. And they're, they're denouncing him. I mean, today we had, uh, what's his name? Bri Brian Kemp, the governor of uh, Georgia, came out and said, you know, Trump is disgusting and the Republican Party it has nothing to do with racism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm scratching my head. Right. <laughs> What party are you talking about, boy? And then, uh, and then right after that, Mike Pence said, "Oh, Trump needs to apologize for having uh, uh, having um, dinner with a bunch of racists." So last, so yes, they want 
They want that to happen. Trump is aware of that. He's certainly going to fight back. And uh, we'll see. I mean, you know, let's hope for the best. Last question. Carrie Lake was at Mar-a-Lago over the weekend. She was told, don't don't surrender. You know, keep playing the election (laughs) fraud card. Earlier on the show, I played video of uh, the protesters outside uh, the state government in Arizona protesting. It was like all, 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 all of them. Yeah, like eleven of them. <laughs> once, once Trump is no longer politically viable, and this could happen sooner than we think. Then what happens with Garland and the prosecution and the special prosecutor once he's no longer a political force? Is it am I foolish to think that maybe he could end up going to prison once he doesn't have the mob behind him? Um, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think that they will make a deal. And um, and that's all they've ever wanted. I mean, he it's all he wants. He just doesn't want to go to prison. And he'll make whatever deal he has to make to keep out of prison. Right, right. All right, great job. So don't, don't get your hopes up. Okay, and fi- who did the drawing of, uh, I'm showing it now, the uh, uh, Donald Trump eating uh, a Big Mac in a rainbow color? Who does your art? I, uh, my art, well... He doesn't like me to say who he is. Oh, okay. That's and, why it's, he never used his name. Okay. And, and who did the usual suspects? You took the picture of the, the militia who stormed the Michigan. Right. Right? It's the down with the art director. He's, he's fantastic. But he doesn't. It's just, well, you can call him Bill. Bill. I don't know why he doesn't sign his work. I don't know why he uh, doesn't let me use his name, but he doesn't. Okay. Howie Klein. I think he's fantastic. Yeah. His work is amazing. If you want to read great writing, go to Down with Tyranny. Read Howie Klein every day. You'll get your salacious civics lesson from Howie Klein. And there's Bill's great artwork. And the way to thank Howie Klein is by going to uh, Blue America Pack and donating to his candidates, all of whom. We only have one candidate now, and, it's, uh, and he's down in Georgia. And the name? The name is Raphael Warnock. He is running oh, right. against the Trump candidate uh, right. named uh, uh, Herschel Walker, who's not fit to be a uh, dog catcher. Right. Thank you, Howie Klein. Thank you, David. And I'll talk to you next week. Great job. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. And read Howie Klein over Down With Tyranny. Follow him on Twitter at... Down with Tyranny. Let me put that. There it is. At Down with Tyranny. If you enjoyed today's segment, please like it and subscribe to this channel and share this salacious civics lesson uh, with your friends. Copy and paste the link and share this salacious civics lesson with your friends. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. It's time right now for the David Feldman Show. So get your ears on right and buckle in. We'll